And you have to have a presence. You got to show up because this industry is all about who you know. And I don't mean just mean like who you know to get promoted. I mean, we know that when we meet a utility at a conference or something that they're asking like two or three other people, like, have you mm-hmm. ever heard of Rogue Water? I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, that's what this industry does. It's like a game of phone tree. We're always calling each other asking, what do you know? Um, so you have to have a presence and you have to understand that the people who work in this industry are incredibly passionate about what they do and you have to have a level of respect for that. So you can't just come in hot. Welcome to What Are We Talking About, a podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. Okay, Stephanie, Ariane, so good to have you on the podcast. Obviously, the feeling is mutual. I've been on your show. Now you're on mine or ours. And I have been looking forward to this conversation since this show was in its inception, since it was just an idea. The reason being that you two, uh, both independently and as a duo, have some very unique perspectives on what communication means in the water sector and some rationale behind how you can overcome objections to if you're working for an organization and you want to move communication forward there's so many objections that 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 people typically give but you two have phenomenal ways to sort of get around that and help explain the value of water for your company and for society at large so anyway excited to have you on Um, i first got to know your work and the two of you had to have been through imagine h2o i know we met at a conference I was sitting on a panel, you two getting up and high-fiving me in the middle of it, this room of 200 people, always disrupting uh, in a good way, uh, (laughs) making your name Professional disruptors. That's, it's, it's beautiful. (laughs) So that's, so that, that is, that is how I know the two of you. I've just, I've always, I've always appreciated the brand that you've built and who you two are. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you. And I got to know you through Adam. And he had sent me uh, a link to the podcast that you had done with him. And I was on vacation in Sicily and uh, I just started listening to it and I was so enthralled. And that's why I remember it so well, because I remember the questions you asked about the books he reads. And, you know, it was a very engaging uh, interview. And so, you know, when we were going down a list of people to have on the show, well, you know, both both of you came up. So so the first question I like to ask, and it's a question that Adam and I always get, is how did you two meet and how did you ladies decide that it would be a good thing for you to work together in this space? Well, audience, we already prefaced them that this may take a minute. Just kidding. Uh, I'll try and be I'll try and make this as nutshell, nutshell. as I can here. But um, I guess the short story of how we met is when you're a public educator, communicator for utility or for a city, um, there's not really a lot of professional development opportunities in our sector for us. And so we learn from each other Mm -hmm. and we find one another and we have both formal and informal meetings. And Ariane was at one municipality in North Central Texas. I was at another, actually a few over the course of the time that we knew each other. So we just knew of each other. 
And I was terrified of her. (laughs) (laughs) She was so intimidating and so cool and so smart. (laughs) And I was like, Ah. and she got the nerve to talk to me guys. And the rest is history. No. So we, um, we ended up actually um, partnering just on the side in terms of like brainstorming programs together. A lot of us are one woman, one man shows. And so this was like our kind of opportunity to not brainstorm in a vacuum. And we just obviously became best friends during that time. And Ariane stole me from the city that I was at to go Mm -hmm. work with her. And it was kind of rainbows and unicorn situation that we got to work together and do a lot of great things together. But, um, before I came to work with her, I just had sort of this calling that I was like, wouldn't that be cool one day if we started a company doing this kind of work the way we want to do it and we could call it Rogue Water. And we were on our way to Austin to um, go do, doesn't matter why we were going to Austin. We were on our way to Austin together and she was like, yeah. And it kind of just like fell off the I went radio silent for a while. She did. She panicked hardcore. She thought I meant like tomorrow, but I didn't. Um, So yeah, so it was kind of just this idea I had in the universe. A few years later, after we were working together, the universe just started showing us these opportunities and giving us this nudge that said it's time. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredibly emotional and for real painful experience to Mm -hmm. make because we absolutely loved and adored the people at the utility that we worked with. Um, but the original dream team, yeah, the original dream team. Yeah. But, and it, it was really hard for me to leave cause I hadn't really had that in my career yet, but Ariane was like, no, we're going to do this. She was like three kids deep and was like <laughs> three new postpartum like, children deep. Yeah. And was like, we're going to do this. And a newborn so baby on my hip. And I said, ah, let's go. Yeah. Give birth to a, <laughs> you give birth to something else, right? Oh, let's have more babies. <laughs> And here we have three years later. Yeah. 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 Good for you. Good for you. you. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you people, I would, I would think generally if people have heard of you in the water industry, they've heard H2 duo. You have rogue water. I hope so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have have water. (laughs) You have the lab. You have the two of you independently. Tell me more about how you're thinking through that brand strategy and, and why it's meaningful to you. Um, organic <laughs> and very, very organic. organic. Uh, the, the name H2DO actually came from our time together at the city that we worked with because our whole Ariane's actually, actually I came into her education program. So her whole education program was based around everything was H2O something. So H2 outreach, H2O I don't know. H2 Oasis. Yes. H2O-N. H2O-N, like everything. So we were at a social media conference together for work. And I was like, and we realized that we wanted to. We had to do this all the time. Ariane Shipley and Stephanie Zavala. Ariane Shipley, Stephanie Zavala, now Corso. (laughs) And now, you know, in the moment we were like, God, that's such a mouthful. And so Stephanie was like, uh, we need a nickname and came up with the H2 Duo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the H2 duo was first, I guess, if you talk about chicken yeah. and egg, the H2 duo was first. And then Rogue Water, the company was second. And we started Rogue Water, the company LLC in November of 2017, November 20th, 2017. And 
in January of that year, we, we, I mean, we had been grinding, 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 grinding. I mean, bootstrapping. We didn't start with like buckets of investment. Like we started <laughs> with the clothes on our back and uh, that's about it. So and hungry um, kids wanting more food. <laughs> yeah. So in January, so we, though, we were just grinding, grinding on like client work. And we were like, we just missed the thing that fulfills us the most. And so we decided that we needed to give back to the community because that's the water community, our water family, because that's what we were used to doing. So in June of 2018, we launched the Water in Real Life podcast and we we partnered with San Antonio Water System to have our first ever Catalyst Mastermind Summit. And uh, fast forward to about two years later, we were um, given the opportunity to have some funding to turn the podcast and the catalyst into like the foundation for the Rogue Water Lab. So Rogue Water Lab was officially announced as a nonprofit in January, 2020. Yes. 2020, the year of hot mess. Yeah. And uh, so like the progress has, that's kind of slowed down the progress a little bit in terms of the lab and building that out, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's done amazing things already. And so we're, we're pumped. So that's kind of the evolution. It's a lot. No, it's great. It's a great story. And so the synergy between the two is very apparent, right? And um, is there ever any conflict when you guys are coming up with ideas and, and, and stories about water and, you know, programs, things like that? Not so much about the programs or ideas, um, pretty much any idea that uh, Stephanie says, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Uh, (laughs) But we do have conflict. Um, I mean, we are human. We aren't robots. And, you know, we are more like sisters than than anything. So just like any old sister, um, you fight about, you know, silly things. Um, We don't share shirts out of each other's closets most of the time. Sometimes we do. <laughs> but, you know, we do have disagreements or misunderstandings or tone miscommunication. miscommunication. Um, and we work really, really hard to put that in the very first or friends first, um, right, right. prioritize it. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time listening to Brene Brown and putting to action everything she says. Um, even, you know, so much as the last year we've, you know, the last year it was really hard. I mean, there was a lot of work happening and we just found ourselves not remembering to tell each other how much we appreciate each other and how, you know, much we still love each other. And so, yeah, there was some conflict and we just worked through it and still work through it. And, um, now we've taken that into a weekly thankful Thursday which often happens on a Friday. Uh, <laughs> we forget. Yeah. And um, we we take a little moment out of our week and just tell each other how grateful we are for that past week of each other. So, yeah. That's great. But, the, you know, the, the conflict, that's a that's a cause for creativity a lot of times, oh, yeah. right? So, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's an important aspect of working together. You know, Adam and I, the way we work together, sometimes there's difference of opinion, but sure. it gives us pause to think about, hey, maybe he's got a different angle on this and a different perspective. And let me throw in my perspective. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I'm, I'm sure it's what makes you two very successful in, in what you're doing. I push Ariane to be more more bold and she pushes me to like 
think we call her, what do you, what do you call yourself? Worst case Ariane or apocalypse Ariane is what I call her. So like <laughs> she'll take us to worst case scenario of the apocalypse and then mm-hmm. we work our way back. So it forces me to think through all of that. And then I nudge her to be bold and do things that she may not do <sighs> yes, comfortably on her own. <laughs> yes, Good. Good partnership. I would okay. never do this podcast by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of disagreement and conflict, and I, I want to bring this to the communications aspect, uh, especially for utilities. One of the biggest challenges I hear utility employees that want to communicate the value of their work to the public, one of the biggest challenges they have is that I can't get budget. I can't get budget. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you can edit this out, but bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, so, so talk to me about this. If you're, so someone on this, on the, on this, for this podcast and the audience is going to be listening to this. And the first thing they're going to say is, Hey, everything, all these, you know, these four saying is great, but we don't have money for it. I'm not asking you to build Rome. I'm literally just asking you to find one brick. Find one piece of stone to turn into a brick that you can start building up into your empire. And it can be as simple as walking outside and shaking the the neighbor's hand, you know, the neighboring organization, the neighboring business and saying, hi, I'm so-and-so with this utility and I want to start getting our name out there. I mean, it's that simple. That's what you do. That's what I did. That's what people do. They don't have budget. You go outside, you join all of the local festivals, even though we're in COVID times, they may not have them. You go virtually to wherever you can and you just start saying, hi, I'm here, you know? So, I mean, the biggest hurdle that we hear, we hear from our fellow public educators or communicators is obviously budget is one, but there is just Mm -hmm. a lot of, they get stymied by whoever's above them or the Mm -hmm. gatekeepers to the budget or funding Um, Because there's not a communication proactive and consistent is still relatively new for our industry. And so it's taking our industry a long time to get on board with that and to really see the value because we are so engineer heavy in this industry. Like you guys want to see the numbers and the metrics and the charts and communication is it's humans. And it's really hard to graph us. And so um, (laughs) I think that's another thing that we struggle with is is the metrics piece. But to Ariane's point and how we did get budget was we did the work that we could do and we built our our case. Mm -hmm. We created a proof of concept because our example is that all we did was be more proactive about, um, we have drought here in North Central Texas a lot. And We'd been in drought for several years. We came out of a drought and during that time, water restrictions had been put in place and then those got lifted when we came out of the drought. So everybody was watering, 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 watering. And then they just could not fathom how their water bill was so high. Mm-hmm. And that one year, the, the crews, the director spent hours, hours of time mending bridges with all of these customers that were so pissed off at them. In fact, this was happening all over, all over our whole region. And it made more sense to these customers 
that every single utility in North Central Texas had gotten together in some dark room and come up with this algorithm that was actually making everyone everyone's bills higher, then like we're not in drought anymore. Maybe we're watering more because that's how when you when the only time you're ta- talking about yourself is when something bad is happening, then obviously people are going to always think that you're up to no good. Sure. So that was their, where they leapt to. And so like the next year we were like, Hey, let's get ahead of this. We know that high watering season is coming. Let's talk to, let's remind people about their bill. Let's remind people what to look for. Let's remind people how to use their water more efficiently. And we did that. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you guys to guess how many people we had coming up and calling the director and, and how many hours they spent on dealing with that situation that summer. Zero. Less. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Zero. That's incredible. In so, fact, I, mean, I want to give a little like backstory even to all that. Like when I started with the city um, in Mansfield, Texas, which I, I rarely ever say, um, when I started in Mansfield, Texas, there was no... Um, water communication person. There was nothing. Um, so I started as just like a stormwater management person. And um, most of us did. Yeah. And one day they just decided we need to be out there more often and started with a tour. And we just opened the doors up at the water treatment plant. It was free. There was no cost involved and just started showing, you know, elementary kids or junior high kids, just the different facilities that we have and why we have them. And then from that, um, we did a contest, cost no money, to get on a city's website and say, or social media or whatever you have out there and say, we have a mascot coming, um, which we have opinions pro and cons for mascots. But back in the day, this was a long time ago, we had a mascot coming and we need your help naming it. Um, that got a lot of publicity. Um, it was a cute news story. And then um, another free, you know, publicity for us. And then we had a couple festivals where we just created our own potato cu- potato guns. Um, the old school, you know, PVC pipe, hairspray, potato guns. And we created a t-shirt launcher. We had a local uh, company partner with us. They gave us a handful of t-shirts and we just started shooting them out into the crowd. (laughs) We were a little rogue back in the day. Um, And again, more publicity. And the city manager was like, what are y'all doing? And he was like getting phone calls and some, you know, notifications that we were kind of out there a little bit and nothing negative at all. And so he was like, "Uh, whatever you're doing, like keep doing it. And, you know, it was sometimes you show up to a, you know, the, the garden center or the garden clubs meetings, or you, we started hosting those type of meetings at our water treatment plant to get different um, age groups and different demographics into the plant to see. They had to walk through the entire water treatment plant to get to the conference room in the very back, which was super confusing for a lot of, you know, people. But the whole time it was a tour and we were like telling them what we were doing, who was, you know, who was that over there in the lab? what they're, what sample they're pulling. And so again, all of those were very low cost, low budget, no cost for the most part, and really just built that trust with the city manager and getting attention from other departments. And those other departments started saying, how can we start getting water from you guys instead of buying bottled water from the store at all of our 
festivals and all of our big events. We said, give us some money, we'll build a trailer and we'll start showing up. And that's where we had the H2 Oasis hydration station. We built it in-house and and started going to those things um, that way. So just, it was baby steps, but it started at no budget until I started getting some trust built internally. And then I had an amazing budget, a rainbows and unicorns budget for, for my position. <laughs> Yeah. Not yeah. was it like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, from my position, you'd hear it, well, you'd be like, wow. It's a good story. And, and you know, we engineers, uh, scientists, engineers, we want people to speak to our brains. But, you know, a lot of times you've got to speak to people's hearts yeah. and to get them emotionally engaged in, you know, what you're trying to convey. And, and mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of what you did, you know, uh, in your in your careers. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals. Showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders, Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. doing that when you're in that role like we were trying to do to build that case you have to remember and as a good communicator you have to remember that it's always about your audience it's about what matters to them it's their goals and objectives and so obviously what we were doing and the example I gave mattered to us too but we knew that we needed we knew that our director if we could not have him on the phone all summer then that would mean a lot to him. And so that was very impactful in Mm -hmm. terms of making a difference in his mind. Yeah. And when we asked to do a giant community event to celebrate a hundred year birthday party and write a book about it and book launch and a couple other big events all in about three months time and needed more money, he said, yes. Mm. So yeah. So now you are independent, running your own business. There are competing communication firms in the water sector and even outside the water sector that people, people can work with, people can choose, people can Google and find anytime. So we talk about, you know, messaging inside of a utility, but talk about messaging as a small company in the water sector. How are you two setting yourselves apart? What do you see as your differentiating value that someone comes across you and name your other communications firm of choice. Why are they choosing you? A couple different reasons. You want to go? Yeah. Well, uh, for us, I think that we've already talked about, she talked about thankful Thursday and gratitude. And I'm about to say authenticity. We have like six core values that we don't just, they're not just painted on the wall. They're actually not painted on the wall, but theoretically, they're hypothetically, they're not painted on the wall. These are things that we live, eat and breathe. And I think that, Whenever we've gotten the opportunity to interact with people, um, I feel like two things have really come through to me that answer your question. Number one is our authenticity. We're kind of unabashedly ourselves. And (laughs) we have been since the beginning, since we started our careers in water. Um, And I think that in itself makes us different. Um, Where 
we're both younger. We're both women. We're both, uh, sometimes funny, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we just have, we, the passion and then the enthusiasm that we have for what we do is pretty palpable and people like that. The other, the other one that I hear is that we have, we lived in, and yeah. breathed this with you, with you collective water industry. We are members of AWWA and WEF and our sections and our MAs. We, uh, our operator license holders and we worked for a, you know, worked there for years, years. Mm-hmm. in everywhere from at council meetings to director meetings to in the field with the field personnel to the people at the water. Like when you're communicating and teaching people about what, what a water utility does, you have to touch everything. I've been you in a pipe tapping contest. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> I've been did. in a pipe tapping contest. Oh, yeah. I know crazy. how to solve PVC by hand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in it's fact, like, to be honest, like that's actually the part that I miss every single day yeah, is I miss sure. being able to hang out with the field, the field personnel. Like that was like my favorite part of going to work every day. Oh but yeah. And I learned how to there with you. drive a backhoe. Those. Yeah. My, my husband, I work on a farm now with my husband also, and he appreciates that because I can drive his tractor. <laughs> he he knows that I've been trained by the best, so I'm allowed to drive his tractor. <laughs> I don't know that that's why people are hiring us, but <laughs> we get it. We speak we the it. language. We get it. We um, we do hold that kind of very close to our hearts, and and that is a big difference. Is we actually have worked in the city. In yeah, the you have a 180 degree place. view of of what's going on there. I mean, that's that's yeah. invaluable that yeah, you've actually sure. sat in that chair and 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 done the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we understand we understand the BS that y'all have mm. to deal with. Like, you know, I challenge our industry to be bold and to better to be better and to always be demanding better of ourselves and our industry. But like, I it's not I don't. Brush off the challenges that are there too. And there's a lot of roadblocks and things like that. And I think we are very aware of those and can help talk through those. And some of those walls are, we get in our own way a lot of times and we can kind of help have conversations around that. But, you know, our creative team are not in water. And that's what I absolutely love because I don't want them to be thinking about what every other water person has said about themselves. I want them to take what they did with Toyota or Google or whoever else they work with. And I want them to bring that here Mm -hmm. so that we can like fuse these two worlds together so that people start paying attention to what we're doing. Now, Ariane and I in the mix can be like, that's great, but they're probably going to freak out. So can you take me a level from amazing, <laughs> badass awesomeness, like one level down and let's see if we can, because I know it takes time to work up yeah, to that. So we just, we're, we're a hybrid of legit water professionals and creative masterminds. And I think you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> Enough said, I don't know. <laughs> Drop the mic. That's a, that's fantastic. That's what just happened. That's fantastic. All right. So so here's here's my challenge. <clears throat> I'm a product company. I sell goods and services into water utilities. Okay. How should I communicate the value of what I do to that utility? Oh boy. Um, first of all, you gotta do your homework. 
And you have to have a presence. You got to show up because this industry is all about who you know. And I don't mean just mean like who you know to get promoted. I mean, we know that when we meet a utility at a conference or something that they're asking like two or three other people, like, have Mm -hmm. you ever heard of Rogue Water? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just, that's what this industry does. It's like a game of phone tree. We're always calling each other, asking, what do you know? Um, So you have to have a presence and you have to understand that the people who work in this industry are incredibly passionate about what they do. And you have to have a level of respect for that. So you can't just come in hot with this brand new idea. Again, you have to know your audience. You got to do your homework. And you have to know like what their specific challenges are. Um, And maybe you don't have the ability to, you know, walk the halls with that particular director. But if you read and if you just like skim through a a journal or from AWWA or, you know, WEF's wet uh, magazine, like you get a sense of what people are struggling with. And so just like, do your homework and um, know your audience and make sure that you present from how you're going to address a real challenge that they have. Yeah. Um, And not just, I have this great new bright shiny thing that I think that you need and they may very well, but you got to build that relationship first before they're going to be like, nah, I'll try your shiny toy. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it takes two or three years before they get to that point. So it's the long build credibility, right? Build yeah. credibility and then buckle up <laughs> for a long ride. <laughs> okay, we're coming up on time, which means wow, we've got the question that comes out of left field. Oh boy. So, and each of you have to answer independently. It can't be. Oh, not come good on. Answer. I know, Ariane, talking about you wouldn't do this by yourself, but this question you have to answer by yourself. Here's the question. I, Jim and I are giving you an airplane and you get a banner to fly behind that airplane and you get to fly it in front of the house of every water professional in the United States of America. I got it. What does that banner say? Demand better. Ooh. Do you want to give any more context? Yeah. I mean, I heard it. I I can't take credit for that. Those two words. Um, It was from Brave Blue World. um, And I can't remember the gentleman's name who said it, but when he said it, it struck so hard because it's so important that we, every single person in the industry starts to demand better and not just us in the industry, but the general public needs to demand better. We all need to demand better to get these regulations that we need to get the infrastructure money that we need to get things replaced, to just move the needle forward, to get into the next 100 years of our life. Excellent. You get two words. Is that what you said? No, you get, you basically get a a banner. You get a banner and it can be pretty sizable, but try to keep it limited to like Twitter. Twitter speak. Damn, you didn't okay. tell me Twitter Twitter speak. I would have given hey, you more. My banner's going to be so <laughs> long. Okay, mine would be communication is not a project. It's a relationship. Whoa. Wow. That's a good one. Nice. Okay. What did, I said that. <laughs> 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 I it's going to be associated with you, Stephanie. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, you ever been like presenting and just have one of the like act of God moments where like something just goes, gets pinged into your brain and you say it and you're like, dang, that was good. Like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah. Everybody was- at our table that was listening to her say that said, whoa, yeah. I need to write that one down. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoa. Hmm, okay. I'll take it. Yeah. But that's what I would say. It's true um, though. I don't know if you want more context of that. <laughs> if you want to give some, I mean, it's, it's, it stands alone pretty well, I must say, but if you want to provide anything additional, you're welcome to. Um, it goes back to our industry and our industry being engineer uh, heavy and like engineers work on projects. They're, they're innate problem solvers and it's amazing. There is a problem, they create a solution and then we move on to the next project, but that's not how communication works. It is a relationship. So like, I don't get to only, you know, to Ariane's point, we had to go into Thankful Thursday because we were treating our friendship like a project and it mm-hmm. was not doing well. And so we had to like reset and approach it as a relationship again. Um, so it's just, it takes work. You think yeah, about all the personal way. relationships that you have in your life. And for some reason, we just go we go brain numb when we get to work and we think that those same rules for relationships don't apply in the workplace or in the interactions that we have with our customers or the people that we serve. Like it's the same thing. We're in a relationship and those take work. Yeah. When you start treating your residents and your customers like you would, you know, someone in your family or like you would a friend um, and just bring that mutual respect and that, two-way expectation, two-way communication, like everything changes. Yeah. Even when they're pissed at you, Mm -hmm. even when they don't trust you, like Mm -hmm. imagine if you're, imagine if somebody that you really loved and cared about, you broke that trust with them. You would work your butt off to, to get back in, in good favor with them. And it would mean something to you. And there's people, there's millions of people out there who depend on us every single day. And yeah, they may take us for granted. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's your job to take care of them. And it's our job to rebuild trust with them. Okay. That's, I can't think of a better way to end end this podcast. (laughs) Great, great, great job, ladies. It's, it's really been a pleasure. And, uh, well, we appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. So much fun. Mm-hmm.